We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy, Will Weir, checking in. How you doing? How you living? Happy Sunday, fun day here on Green with Envy. Hope y'all have had a great week and having a great start to your week. As always, joining me today, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How you doing, Doc? What's up, my guy? How are you? I'm gonna be honest, man. I like. I feel like I'm. I'm pl- as much as a podcaster can 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 play through injury. Burnt my tongue this morning, so <laughs> I, I I feel like this is it's not quite my flu game, but you know, uh, I had a, just a. I'll be honest, man. I'm trying to think of the best. It was, it was honestly just a doofus moment, just a real doofus moment. So shout out to my Nespresso gang out there. Big fan of the Nespresso for for your coffee in the morning for your coffee needs. And went to go fill up my Nespresso, was getting ready to make a little breakfast for me and the lady. You know, just do a little scrambled eggs, a little toast, some sausage, just, you know, a little little, little quick thing. So, you know, we, we've talked about before in the kitchen, I'm kind of a one focus type of guy. Usually, you know, it's like, all right, I can make the chicken, but the sides got to be some, somebody else got to take, take care of that. You know, mm-hmm. like, unless I'm just doing rice and I can kind of just set it up that can do its own thing and then it's good. You know what I mean? Something like that. But when I'm trying to like maneuver multiple things, sometimes the brain gets a little, a little foggy. So, uh, put my coffee on, you know, drop the little pot in it, it goes off, it fills it up. And then I go to grab it and I'm starting to think about all these other stuff that, you know, the, you know, do I have the egg set up? Do I have whatever else ready? And then for some reason, as if it's not going to be a hot cup of coffee, I just bring it right to my lips and chug it like I'm like I'm hydrating with a glass of ice cold water. <laughs> and immediately it just like all kind of sits on my lips and in my tongue. And I'm like trying to like, you know, basically put some of it back into the cup. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I got I guess I got to swallow some of it. And it it was just a super idiotic moment this morning for your boy. So um, not going to lie, the texture of my tongue is something that I'm noticing every moment I talk. So when you're talking, it's probably I'm probably more so going to be thinking about the way my tongue feels than anything that you're actually saying. Okay, a couple things here. First thing, I want to compliment your progression as a cook over the years. I feel like you've you've come a long way since um, the days of using the the Foreman grill at your house, cooking up long some burgers. Way. Long way. Uh, so shout out to you. I trust the food that you cook. Whenever you cook, I'm always like, <laughs> all right, this is this is gonna be good. This is this, this is all Lorena's training, by the way. It's, it's 100. It was the pandemic was boot camp for for cooking for me. Back in the day, I wouldn't have said the same thing about you, but now when I when I hear you're cooking or you guys are preparing food, I get excited. Versus, I'm like, ooh, should we bring our own thing? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> secondly, when you're talking about mouth injuries, mm-hmm. let's talk like what. Let's rank them, right? So you okay. got a burnt tongue, yep. burnt roof of the mouth on like a Elio's pizza or Hot Pocket or something yep. like that. Or a- any 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 type of microwavable and or oven pizza. That's that's the type that we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Where where you can like literally peel the skin off the roof of your mouth, or when you accidentally bite that one spot on your lip and then you continue mm. to bite that throughout the week. What is the most inconvenient thing in your opinion? Oh, it's got to be the lip. 
I think the it's lip. the lip because it, it lingers, right? It, it it lingers, and at least I don't know if it usually would last a full week, but certainly the next like two to three days, you know that spot, and then there's and you times you keep hitting it. And the thing is, if you forget about it to a certain level, you're just like you know what, like it doesn't affect other parts of your day, but like let's say you go to drink some orange juice or something with like citrus or you know yeah. what I mean or something spicy Fantastic. that yeah, and then you're just like oh shit, I totally forgot, and then you're like well I just made this meal or I just poured this glass and it's entirely ruined. Or you have to like if it's on like the right side of your mouth, you have to like try to like sip just to the left side and like somehow keep that like just on one side of your mouth. So it gets really difficult. So I think that's the one that because like I, I don't anticipate anticipate you know this burnt tongue this is gonna be fine i still ate my egg sausage toast i was fine you know what i mean like like you notice it but you can still you can still go about your day the lip the lip thing that that lingers with you it stays with you and then when you forget about it it's a it's a tough reminder it's a tough i feel reminder. like i feel like the tongue regenerates a lot quicker than the lip does or the or the roof of the mouth does right i feel like the tongue the burnt tongue You'll get over that in 24 hours. The burnt roof of the mouth, I feel like that's more 36 to 48. And then the the side of the mouth biting your lip, that's probably like a 72 to 96 hour. I was going to say, these are pretty accurate uh, <laughs> timetables that we're given here. I was going to say, is the is the regeneration of the tongue, is that a is that a real thing or is that just something that you're surmising? That, that that's that's I've come to my surmise that that is. Uh, <laughs> did I use that word correctly? Shout out Brian Joyce. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, you did, you did. Okay, you okay, cool. Yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Guess. Surmise is like. <laughs> All right. Well, we're all on the same page here, so the audience knows now what we're working with. But you know, we're true professionals, so we're gonna get through this. And we got a fun podcast today. You know, off-season podcasting. It can be, you know, can be tough to find topics sometimes, but also it allows us to get pretty creative. So, on today's show, we're gonna bring back. If you've been following Green with Envy, you know that come hell or high water, this man, Greg Manakis, <laughs> is going to get the Rookie of the Year belt installed somewhere, someplace. In fact, we are the place that's getting it going here. So we're bringing back the Rookie of the Year belt. If you don't know what we're talking about, we'll set it up. We'll let you know just how it works, and then we will continue to build on that today. And we're also going to dive into the top five point guards in the Eastern Conference. Greg and I are going to walk it through. We're going to give you our list of our top five Eastern Conference point guards. But all of this was started from, you know, over this past weekend, Team USA. They're getting ready for the FIBA World Cup here coming up in a couple of weeks in August out in the Philippines. And the Team USA select team features Boston Celtic Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard. Uh, so with Peyton Pritchard being on the team, they actually, you know, a little bit of a, you know, there's that famous 92 dream team story where the college players beat the actual dream team. And then the next day, the real team, the real dream team shows up and beats them down. So this past weekend, Friday, couple of scrimmages open to the media, Peyton Pritchard and the select team put it on the actual varsity Team USA, take them down twice in two different scrimmages. The veterans did get their revenge on Saturday, taking them down twice. But as we got some highlights going here, Greg, you know, Peyton Pritchard, we talked about, I think it's really cool that he's on this team because I think it shows the respect that he has for his game, you know, across the league, given that the rest of that select team, minus a few G League standouts, are all young guys that are either already getting deals like Nas Reed, guys like Cade Cunningham, Jalen Williams, people expect to be future all-stars, and Peyton Pritchett's in the mix on this team. What'd you take away from some of those highlights that you saw going around the internet? Well, there are a couple of non-highlights that also that also made their way, and then I saw Peyton Pritchard severely bricked a three-pointer. Uh, did see that. Was going to leave that up, but did see that. Did see that. But it, I, I think the most salient point is that Pritchard's getting this experience. Right, he's coming into a really important year um, with the departure of Marcus Smart, with Malcolm Brogdon's situation kind of being uh, up in the air right now. With you know, how happy is he being on the Celtics? Do the Celtics want to bring him back? Or are we just trying to make things right in the media? And really, we're still out there shopping him. Peyton Pritchard seems like he's going to have a legitimate role, which he's been clamoring for on this team. And I think all Celtics fans would probably say that we at least want to see the kid get a shot, whether or not that's, um, you know, 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game, or just, you know, 10, 10 to 12 minutes a game where he plays every single night. And we know that right. Peyton Pritchard is getting that opportunity. So going up against 
the other young guys in the league that everybody else considers to be the cream of the crop, people that we will talk about here in the rookie of the year belt conversation. Uh, I think it's invaluable experience for Peyton Pritchard. I'm excited to see more highlights as they continue to trickle out from Team USA uh, training camp. And I'm just really excited to see how this translates from the summertime into Peyton Pritchard's actual NBA um, performance this season. Because, you know, a couple, I forget if it was last summer or two summers ago, I think it was last summer where Pritchard had that like 90 point pro am performance and everybody lost their shit. Like, oh my God, Peyton Pritchard scored 90 points. Like, does that really matter? What's more valuable experience for Peyton Pritchard scoring 90 points in a pro am or getting this run with team or getting USA? five points in, in the team USA select game. And, you know, you mentioned obviously the low light that, that came out for Peyton Pritchard, but the highlight was him going off the bounce against Jalen Brunson, getting into the lane, fending him off, going up for that layup. And then, you know, a couple of the clips that we're talking about, the the team USA the select team which is basically the JV team you know them having a certain level of, of continuity and being able to move the ball a lot of those did involve Peyton Pritchard and I think you made a great point about you know getting hyped about the pro-am a couple of years ago like yeah that's fun and all that's cool but you know if Peyton Pritchard shows up to our men's league game tomorrow night uh, I'm pretty sure he's dropping 92 points you <laughs> yeah. know like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure like that that's that's gonna happen it's not he's right not that the pro-am's at the same level as our men's league but for a guy who's a, a professional like Peyton Pritchard like that's child's play you know what I mean and especially there's some programs obviously go to the Drew League and stuff like that with other NBA guys it's going to be at a different level but you know it's it's just not the same level of of going up against your peers going up and you mentioned that we're gonna talk about some of these guys in the rookie of the year belt Greg I was actually thinking we're gonna talk about a lot of these guys for the top five point guards in the Eastern Conference that are in that are that are in this run right now so that's another thing that Peyton Pritchard is just getting get those extra reps and so, you know, when Brogdon's going to need to sit, if Brogdon's injuries come back, you know, Derek White played every game last year. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. He's taken on a bigger workload. Like, there is going to be a role. There is going to be a need for Peyton Pritchard. And this experience is, I, like, to your point, is going to be so much more valuable than, you know, the Pro-Am hype. Like, I think just him being out here and him being able to be in this mix, in this Team USA mix, which we always, you know, I think it's Bill Simmons that always talks about kind of the Team USA bump right Mm -hmm. now it's the select team's not exactly the olympics but you know it is still going to be you know a truly valuable summer i think for peyton pritchard and it's going to give him an opportunity to whether it's going to be with the celtics long term or you know if he's going to get consistent run next year give him a chance to really build a name for himself across the league yeah i mean you see the as we're playing the highlights here for those watching on youtube we you see some of the guys out here right anthony edwards Tyrese Halliburton, Jaron Jackson Jr. And then you got some of the older guys like Jalen Brunson and um, I think Bobby Portis is out Bobby, there. Yeah, Bobby Portis is out there, which is hilarious. He, he's the old head in, in, in this right now. Yeah, and then Brandon Ingram, you know, he's one of you know same same draft classes. Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. you got Mikhail Bridges out there. So he's getting some great run this summer going back to Peyton Pritchard and um, you know, him versus Austin Reeves is a fun little little battle in training camp there. But uh, all the reports on Austin Reeves are are sounding pretty good too. So, who knows, man? This uh, Team USA um, bump that we're hoping to get out of Peyton Pritchard. Let's see if it actually translates. I'm starting to get excited about actual Boston Celtics training camp, which is still a few months away. But um, you know, before you know it. That's right. It'll be here. Yeah, it's, it's going to it's all of a sudden we're going to say it's it's X amount of time away and all of a sudden it's going to be here. But, you know, with this, Greg, let's take a quick break and then let's transition into the rookie of the year belt, because I know a guy that we're going to talk about was one of the leaders of that USA select team. And that's Cade Cunningham. And that's kind of what inspired us to to bring this all back. So rookie of the year belt coming at you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Greg. This is your time. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna put too much pressure on you, but this is the time of year that you are that you are waiting for. This is the moment you wait for every single year. When is it time to bring back up the rookie of the year belt? So for those of you that have been following along with Green with Envy for the last couple of years, you may be familiar with this concept. But for those that aren't, Greg, I'm gonna let you take the floor here and run with this and uh get us set up here and then we can then we can dive into it. Okay, so the general concept of the rookie of the year belt, I want to call it more like the player of the class belt um, versus rookie of the year belt because years two and year three of this uh, hypothetical competition, they would no longer be rookies, right? So we're calling it the player of the class belt. It's a three-year competition with an escalating point system. So the rookie of the year, if he wins rookie of the year, year one, he will then need to defend his belt and the players within that draft class, not their quote unquote rookie year, if they miss year one, are competing. So the points will be increasing from years two and years three to reward growth. And the example that I always like to point to is the 2016-2017 NBA season. So if you remember, that is the Ben Simmons draft, right? Uh, actually, yeah, that is the, the Ben Simmons draft, right? So Ben Simmons gets injured and misses his rookie season. And as a result of that, Malcolm Brogdon wins Rookie of the Year, right? Dario Saric uh, finished second <laughs> yeah. in Rookie of the Year voting that year. And Buddy Healed with a third place finish. Well, actually, Joel Embiid was the third place finish. But oh, Joel that's Embiid, right. That's right. In my system, would not be eligible because he was actually drafted two years prior. Gotcha. He missed gotcha. the first two seasons of his NBA career. So his rookie season was actually his third year in an NBA organization, which to me is not fair, right? As we saw in 2017, 2018, there was this debate between Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, who was going to win rookie of the year. And Donovan Mitchell famously wore a hoodie that had the dictionary definition of the word rookie right and the the whole back and forth was ben simmons really isn't a rookie donovan mitchell is the rookie right so that's what always kind of stuck with me and i just wanted to over time kind of flesh out um you know with everybody being so obsessed with nba redrafts like we always like five years down that's five years from now we'll go back and redraft the 2023 nba draft class right so because we already do draft class re redrafts why not actually make this a real competition hence the player of the class belt right so did you feel like i did a good job setting that up that was good that was good so i was gonna say so let's go through a couple of the years that you've that, that have already completed their three-year journey just to give examples of of what those standings look like so I'll see if you can try to zoom in on that a little bit bit greg for for those watching on on youtube there we go so as you said you started really with that 2016 2017 class and so the final results for those of you listening here would have been Ben Simmons still still wins rookie of the year here wins excuse me wins player of the class here it would have been the top 3 finishers would have been Ben Simmons Malcolm Brogdon followed by a tie with Brandon Ingram and DeJounte Murray is that what we're looking uh, at Jamal Murray or Jamal Murray excuse me excuse me Jamal Murray right there uh so Simmons Brogdon and then a two-way tie with Jamal Murray and Brandon Ingram the following year 2017-2018 Donovan Mitchell Jason Tatum De'Aaron Fox. That year, those those couple of years, pretty straightforward. Mitchell ascended a little bit early. Obviously, the fun part is you could kind of do this every couple of years and see how it reassesses. Because obviously, that might be a little bit different if we looked at it today. 2018, 19. And Greg, I want you to jump in on these next two because these next two feature something that I think for you is almost like this is hallowed ground, right? The guys that sweep for three straight years. So talk about these two here a little bit. Yeah, so go going back to like the actual points accumulated over the length of this hypothetical competition, right? Ben, the the max that you can get is 25 points because if you win first place three years in a row, you get five points year one, eight points year two, 12 points year three for a total of 25 points, right? So if you are the player of the class and you earn 25 points, as Will said, that's more hallowed ground than someone who 
you know, only wins year three and they get 12 points, but because of how the voting shook down because of injuries or whatsoever, they won with only 12 points. Um, but if you look at 2016, 2017, which is my example, Ben Simmons would have won with 20 points because I think most people would have agreed that Ben Simmons year two and Ben Simmons year three was the best player in that class. For those watching on YouTube, you see Brandon Ingram. I had him second place, um, year two and then he's not he doesn't finish year three because he was injured for most of that year um so when you think of uh luka Doncic in 2018 2019 draft class at the end of those three years all three years i think most people would have said that luka Doncic was the best player in that class same thing with 2019 2020 john morant being the winner um of each of those years but 2019 2020 is really interesting right because that's uh zion although he only played a handful of games his rookie year, still finished third in the rookie of the year voting. And then... Real quick, it looks so weird seeing Kendrick Nunn in second place. (laughs) Yeah, that's not me. That's how... No, no, I know. That's the the actual voting. I know. It's just really weird to think back that, man, Kendrick Nunn finished in second place. That's a wild thought. Right, and that's why this player of the class competition is fun for me because Kendrick Nunn, if he's second place year one, you're like, oh, wow, Kendrick Nunn, he's probably going to be a guy. But at the end of the three-year competition, you see that he doesn't place again, and Kendrick Nunn's basically out of the NBA at this point. So year two, John Morant beats out Zion, in my opinion, um, partially because of games played, but also Ja was electric year two. But with Zion coming back right um, in in year two and earning a second-place finish, Maybe year three, he's motivated to be in shape because he's he knows he's competing with John Morant for the player of the class belt. But Zion was pretty much injured all year three, mm-hmm. right? So he didn't even get to compete in that, and Ja ends up sweeping that. Um, but 2020 draft class, 2020-2021 draft class, their competition would have ended after this season. Right. So that's kind of where I want to take the conversation now. If you think back to the 2020, 2021 season, uh, LaMelo Ball won rookie of the year over number one pick Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton finished in third place, if I'm correct on that. Um, I think I I haven't looked at the sheet in a while, but I'm pretty sure that's how the voting shook out that year. So year two. I voted Anthony Edwards having the best season, his sophomore season, with LaMelo Ball sliding down to second place and Halliburton once again finishing in third place. And that brings us to year three because right now the voting as I have it, I still have Anthony Edwards finishing first year three. Um, Desmond Bain, I have him sliding into second place. As you just saw, Desmond Bain just got paid with that max contract. Um, which speaks to that. And then one, I have Halliburton again finishing third. So three years in a row, Halliburton finishing in third place. Um, do you have any qualms with what you see on the screen? I'm a little, I'm a little curious to know Bain over Halliburton. That I feel like Tyrese Halliburton, who is a guy that we're going to talk about in our next segment as well, top five uh, point guards in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think with Halliburton's now, obviously. This is the like Bain is on a winning team, right? He's he's on the Grizzlies, which finished as a as a two or three seed for the second straight year in a row. He is potentially the second or third best player on that team, probably third best player is the way you you want to look at it. Tyrese Halliburton shoulders a lot more with a Pacers team that, other than when he was out for those you know fifteen ish games when when he was injured, were a little bit frisky. And I think with some of the moves they made in the offseason, looking ahead, they're going to be a very interesting team for the upcoming season. But I'm curious why you would put Bane above Halliburton. That's the only thing I would look at and say I would probably flip it going. Anthony Edwards, I think, is the defined number one. And then I would have Halliburton at two, and I would have Bane at three. Okay, let me pull up Halliburton's 2023 stats. I think the reason I, I chose that was because of games played. Yeah, so Halliburton, if we take a look right here, I have it pulled up here. Halliburton averaged uh, 20.7 points, 10.4 assists, 3.7 rebounds. He played in his first All-Star game, but he only played 56 games. And I think Bain, if I'm correct, played almost all 82 this season. Mm, No, he only played 58. Oh, really? (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> in that case, um, I must have not looked at Bain's games played. Yeah. I mean, what? So your your thoughts is that he Halliburton, played seventy six in, in in year two. So maybe, maybe okay. you saw year two by accident. Yep. And uh, yeah, he played seventy six. So it was fifty eight games for Bain, fifty six for Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I would I would flip Halliburton. I think. Number one, I I think he just has, you know, this isn't about potential. This is about what they did. But I still Mm -hmm. think, you know, he made his first all-star team. He, you know, is one of the best players on the, you know, on the current varsity U.S. team that's heading to FIBA. And I think, you know, when you look at this 20, I mean, it's, it's you just don't see the 20 and 10 point guards anymore, especially one that can shoot the ball as efficiently as Tyrese Halliburton, almost a 50-40-90 guy for the season, 49% from the field, 40% from three, and then I think he was about 87% from the free throw line. And, you know, the thing is, he's got that funky-ass shot, which I don't understand how it works, but... I mean, since he's come into the league, he's been a 40% guy. There has not been a single year that he hasn't shot at 40% or above. So it's hard to say that, oh, they'll figure it out because he seems to be figuring it out just as much with his three-point shot. And so I think with his ability to create, and I think this is going to be something that is very true for me in, in a lot of the comparisons we do with other point guards, just his size alone. I think that allows him to be a little bit more dynamic. And I think for me, that's going to be a difference between him and Bain. He's in, he's the number one guy on his team. Mm-hmm. Bain can go in and out of being the number two to three guy. Obviously when Jaws out, that changes it a bit. And I love yeah. Bain. I'm, I'm huge on Bain, but I would put Halliburton above Bain. Okay. And you, you won me over with that argument. So as a result, Halliburton will finish second in this player of the class competition uh jumps lamella ball who missed his missed most of this past season with that uh was a foot surgery yep. and then desmond bain finishes in fourth place and when you look at those that draft class right that's pr- that's pretty much what we're seeing a- anthony edwards is far and away the best player in that draft class halliburton and ball probably right in the same same range there and bain's probably the fourth best player in that class. And then you got you got guys like Tyrese Maxey who are right around the same range as a Desmond Bain, but I think Bain's probably a more complete player. Yeah. Uh, Maxey's been, you know, on the fringes of of becoming something real for the Sixers. He's had some real moments for them. Um his numbers are increasing every single year, but because of James Harden and Embiid and how they kind of dominate a majority of the the usage on that team maxi hasn't gotten a chance to shine whereas bain has so who knows you know at the end of this three-year competition bain is above maxi but you know to your point from earlier three years from now maybe maxi has looked back at the um as, as the better player and that's why we do those nba uh, redrafts yep I agree with that. All right, let's go. Let's go to the next year here because now we're going to get to the. See, this is going to be the 2021, 2022 NBA draft class. Draft class, correct? Yeah, and <laughs> let's that, look at let's look at how that shook up. Okay, so we have that was the draft where Cade went one, Jalen Green went two, Mobley three, Barnes four, Suggs five, Giddy six, Kaminga seven, Wagner eight, and. Yep. That's pretty much the guys that we're talking about at this point, right? So my question to you right now is my current rankings. I have Franz one for year two. So remember, Scotty Barnes finished first. Mobley was second. Cade was third in their actual rookie year. After year two, I went with Franz one, Giddy two, Mobley three. Initial thoughts when you see that before we look at the stats. It was so my initial thoughts. I, I I looked at this a little bit before the before we came on, so I was I was somewhat aware. My first thoughts were like, I don't know if that's right, and then I thought about it more, and it's a pretty good case because obviously Cade being out is a, is a big part of this, right? Mm-hmm. And Scotty Barnes, who had you know based on the hype and winning Rookie of the Year, you know, like had a disappointing year two doesn't mean that you know he's out which is kind of the point of this whole exercise or of this whole award is that you know it's very common for a guy to have an explosive year one drop off and then figure something out in the offseason come back and still be awesome you know we've seen that happen plenty of times and so looking at this i was like i don't know if that, that, that can't be right but i think there's a very good argument that those that order is correct you know i think with Evan Mobley, I would potentially lean at still putting him at one. Okay. And my only argument for that is that he was all he's already year two 
he's put himself in the in the defensive player of the year conversation. Yeah. So that's essentially that's one of those awards that you would think you got to at least be, you know, four or five years into the league, have a reputation because that's a reputation award. Right. That's part of what that award is. is this guy year in and year out. There's never going to be a guy that just splashes onto the scene, except uh, let's see what happens when Benyama and Chet Holmgren this year. Maybe they do something different. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, there's not a guy for defensive player of the year that comes out of nowhere that you're like, man, he just had a monster year. Got to give this guy defensive player of the year. So for Mobley in year two to be in that conversation, I think that means a lot. And I think towards the end of the season, you and I were gushing about some of the improvements he was making on the offensive end, saying that it looks scary. Now yeah. it fell apart in the postseason. In the postseason, Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein just dominated Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen. And maybe that's a byproduct of just two guys who can't really shoot the ball yet. And they have to figure out what that looks like. And so I think that's a little bit of lingering disappointment for for Evan Mobley. But I think when you look at his season as a whole, who he is as a player, and you know, once again, it's hard to say with these guys because they're so young, you think about what they can be. And I know this this award is for what they did, you know, definitively. I think I would probably still lean Evan Mobley one, but then between Franz and Giddy, yeah, I, I have no problem with them two, three, and I could really you could probably talk me into whichever order. Uh Josh Giddy, just the fact that, you know. OKC was making a turn towards towards being competitive, made it to the play-in, won a play-in game. That might sway me a little bit, but obviously he has SGA running by his side. Whereas mm-hmm. you know Franz's you know top guy is is Paolo, who's the who was the rookie of the year. So they're still like a year a year or two behind the progress of where the Thunder are at. So I could be talked into Giddy and Franz in any order, but I think I would go Mobley and then Franz and or Giddy, whichever way you want to put it. Yeah, I I think you're right about Mobley. I was probably a little, um, you know, prisoner of the moment with how he performed in the playoffs and bumped him down. It was disappointing. It's hard not to be. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Franz didn't get the opportunity, right? He Mm -hmm. also... Franz plays great against the Celtics. So that, <laughs> this is this is the magic. Up. This is the magic bias that we have on this program. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's probably we, why we, I we have treat the magic one. like they're the 2001 Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, I mean, that was pretty embarrassing what happened against the magic this season. Hey, they're they're in our uh, in mid uh, midseason tournament, whatever the hell it's called. They're in our they're in our group. So that's part Hot of our take. group play. Hot take. The Celtics only went after Porzingis so that we could match up with the magic. Hey, I mean, we, we see them coming, you know, you gotta, you gotta look ahead, right? You gotta, you gotta look in the crystal ball and see what, what's the next team that's coming. They could be one of them. So maybe it's a smart move. Okay. So I agree with you though. I am going to switch out Franz and Mobley here. Uh, he, while you're updating this, here's another question I'd love to ask you and let's, I'm putting yeah. you on the spot here. Who would you rather have going forward Franz or Giddy? It's a great question. Um, I would probably go giddy. Ooh, I'd interesting. Go giddy. Tell me um, why. Well, his. I mean, he's almost as big as Franz. Mm-hmm. His. I, I think just like his playmaking as as a more natural playmaker than Franz. Like I see Franz, like uh, maxing out as a Hidu Turgulu type. And, you know, once again, magic to mar- magic comparison there. But magic I, to think, magic, white guy to white guy. <laughs> I think they're very, very similar, European to European. European. Yeah, exactly. And then Giddy, you know, this, he's he's got this like magic quality about him. You know, not the Orlando magic, but an actual mystical presence to him on the mm-hmm. court where he's a wizard, man. Like the the angles that he sees as, as a playmaker and as a passer, I think that skill is just, um, it's very like, what we all thought Ricky Rubio was going to be when he first came into the league. I like that. That's a good for one. Spain, but he's even bigger and probably a better shooter than Rubio is. So that's kind of how I see Giddy. Giddy is Rubio 2.0. Once, uh, real quick, shout out to Ricky Rubio taking a, a leave of absence from basketball to focus on his mental health. Hope he's okay. Uh, but I think Giddy has that special pre-ACL injury what Rubio had for the Spanish team. So that's I'd probably have Giddy over France. How about you? Well, first of all, I just want to get on record here. You're saying Josh Giddy is the next Magic Johnson? <laughs> that's, that's the exactly magic you were talking about, right? Yeah, exactly it's verbatim. Okay, I just, want to, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. On the same page. I, I think I, I like what you just said about Giddy. I think I lean Franz just because Giddy's jump shot makes me a little, a little sketched out, but he brings so many other intangibles that 
you know, maybe maybe it won't matter because it's 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 sketchy right now. But I mean, he also just, you know, in that play in game, dropped 30 plus points and, you know, beat the Pelicans, you know, when they challenged said, hey, we don't want SGA to beat us. Someone else beat us. And Giddy said, got it, bet, you know, and then went and took over Franz. I think I, I like his like the the well-roundedness of his game, if you will. I think both of them, I need to see a little bit more. And and this is also from from me needing to watch a little bit more closely, both of them on the defensive end to see who I would lean into. Um, I think just anytime that they have similar qualities and there's a better jump shot involved, usually I'm going to lean on somebody with a better jump shot because I just think that allows you more opportunities to play on the ball, off the ball. Um, you can be a little bit more versatile in, in, in what you can do. But I, I think I'm with you. I think it's super close. I'm very high on both of these guys. I'd lean Franz, but it's it's not by much. And so... This draft class is coming into their final year of my competition, right? So as it stands right now, with the switches we just made, Mobley would be in first place with eight earned points with a second place finish in year one in a first place. Actually, no, he has 11 points. Sorry about that. Mobley has 11 points. Doing some quick calculations here, folks, on the fly. With a first place finish. Um, So for him to win the competition year three, he would just need to finish in the top three so that he would have, even if he finishes in third place in the third year, he'll have 14 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, like Cade has the potential to jump him if he gets first place year three. And after all the you know highlights that we saw with Team USA, if he gets first place year three, he will have 13 total points. Uh, Scotty Barnes not out of the mix because he has five earned points right now. And then Giddy has five and Franz has two. So everybody's right there in the mix. And there is a world in which, you know, Cade finishes one, uh, Barnes finishes two, and Giddy finishes three this year. And Mobley doesn't even make it in the top three, you know? Or, or my guy, Alpern Shengun, pops to the top of this, wins it, and we have maybe, let's say, you know, Franz gets second place and Cade gets third place. Yeah. Alfred Shengun is your player of the class. <laughs> Jalen Green. Jalen Green. That's an I mean, there's a I mean, this is actually a pretty good draft class when you look at it. You know, another guy we didn't really talk about, but had a, a really nice second year that's on that select team, Trey Murphy. I don't think he's going to do it, but Trey Murphy had a really nice second year. Herb Jones, I don't think he's gonna be offensively minded enough to do it, but defensively, he's an absolute stud. But yeah, there's some names out there between those guys that we just mentioned that at the very least would have an outside chance of, you know, jumping into that two, that second or third, or even first place seems a bit tough with where Mobley, Barnes, Giddy, Franz, Cade are all trending for someone to completely jump them, but to jump into that two or three spot. Like I, I certainly think the two guys in the Rockets, Jalen Green and Alperin Sengun definitely have a pretty high probability of at least finishing on the podium at the end of next year. And for everybody that's listening on the pod, I highly suggest going to our YouTube page to watch um, to watch the actual video because we have the spreadsheet pulled up. Go back, watch it. Maybe I'll put something in at the beginning of this conversation telling you to go to YouTube um, in the magic of editing the podcast. But it, I think it'll be very helpful for you to see how this is all broken down. Um, and this rookie of the year, Paolo Banchero, uh, he will be defending his belt year two we don't have to go into that we can talk about that another day but this was fun well thank you for letting me talk about the player of the class competition again hey man told you come hell or high water we're we're getting this thing off the ground we're taking it to we're taking it to the space we're taking this thing all the way to the moon here we're gonna get this thing going well we're gonna find a way i think i was just thinking about this we got to find a way to get a a voting system, whether that's fans of the podcast or we, we can find a way through either our email or through Twitter, or Instagram, find a way to to get the votes into the hands of the people so that we have a, a better scoring system. But I like it, dude. It's a fun topic. It's fun to talk about. And it's going to lead us right into our next topic because we're talking about a lot of guys that we just mentioned. A few of them are going to come up in this next one. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll talk about the top five point guards in the Eastern Conference. All right, Greg. So player of the class belt. We're, we've got that tucked away right now. That was a fun segment. Let's jump into top five point guards in the Eastern Conference. So 
this is something fun that we're going to do throughout the rest of the offseason here. We'll start ranking different positions. Uh, we'll do some in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference. We're going to be kind of jumping around throughout that, but you'll see that between the two of us, three-man we. We'll have Adam in the mix, obviously. So, But we wanted to start with the point guards because a lot of them we've already talked about today, whether it's through the Team USA camp or it's through the player of the class belt that Greg just went through. So let's start in the Eastern Conference, and for those of you watching here on YouTube, you can see Greg has it pulled up here, uh, a list of all the guys that that we consider point guards in the Eastern Conference. There is one guy on this list that, that you created here, Greg, that I do I do want to either put an asterisk next to or just decide if he should be considered a point okay. guard or not. Scotty Barnes. Are we considering him a point guard? Well, when you look at their roster, are we saying that they're confident with Dennis Schroeder being their starting point guard? That's the only reason why I have Scotty Barnes is are they are they really going to turn the keys to Dennis Schroeder and say, okay, man, you are a starting point guard? Or are they going to kind of be like, hey, this is a little bit of a rebuilding year for us or a reimagination year for us. Let's give the, all the keys to Scotty and let him actually run point. That was that's why I have Scotty on there. I do think Schroeder is probably the person that I would put. Same thing where you see Jaden Ivey slash Kate Cunningham. I think Jaden Ivey is probably gonna be their point guard, but when you see Cade and what he's doing with Team USA, he functions mm-hmm. so well as a primary playmaker. It might make more sense for the Pistons to have Cade. So that's why I have both of those guys yeah. on there, because I'm not really sure whether we can classify them as point guards the pistons ones to me makes more sense because that's one where i thought about it as well like i I, they're both kind of point guards right it's going to be a nominal decision as to who's the point guard or not you know with the toronto one because i think if you're doing it the way that you just like like i agree with you they shouldn't feel great about dennis schroeder as like yeah that's our guy that's our option there we're we're rolling let's let's go we the north um but then if you're doing it this way then you might as well put a slash in for pascal siakam as well right because i think he's going to handle the ball just as yeah. much you know as, as a primary ball handler That's but I, I i so i think for this discussion without it getting too murky i think we should remove scotty barnes go with dennis Schroeder for now knowing that you know if we're really talking about who's the primary i mean this is like if we get to the western conference you know and we're talking about the nuggets like yes Jokic is really the point guard but we're going to put jamal murray and we're going to put Jokic with the center well, well I'll, I'll do you one even better Neither of these guys are making the top five list, so we can just yeah, go ahead. Let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead and cross them off. Let's, so let's, that's what we're going to do here live. So let's go ahead and cross off Toronto. Thanks for playing, but but you're done. So so let's let's go through. Let's just let's just get rid of of some of the ones that we know are are clearly. How do I do the strike the through five? Uh, oh, this is a fun little fun little game here. I believe if you go to uh, format and then text. Okay, uh, Command-Shift-X. Okay, Command-Shift-X, everybody. On a on a Mac device, Command-Shift-X <laughs> is the way that you do a strike through. All right. Man, the podcast number is going to be booming after this one. Uh, okay, so we got, rid of, we got rid of them. Next up, let's go back and forth as to who, who we think we're, we're going to get rid of here. So I'll go, I'll go next. I think the next obvious name for us to cross off here is Kyle Lowry in Miami. Okay, and obviously Miami's going after Dame Lillard. So yeah, the, that, that would completely change this. We'll, we'll redo this segment if that if and when that happens. Yeah, so we get rid of Kyle Lowry. I'm cool with that. Uh, next guy I want to get rid of is uh, a, a favorite of the pod, but definitely not a top five point guard in the East. That is newly uh, minted Washington Wizard. Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones yep. is going to the X here. He's going to get the command shift X. Hey, if this was top five backup point guards in the East and he was a backup still, he'd be very high on that list. Very, very high. Next up, let's just let's just get Ben Simmons out of here. You know, we like who knows, but we can't we can't do anything with him. Can't win with him. Can't do it. Can't win with him. All right, who else are you taking off here? Um, I'm going to go with, cause now it's starting to get a little bit tougher. Yeah. I'm going to go with Markel Fultz. Although Markel yeah. Fultz is, um, a great story and he's turned his career around to some degree. He's definitely not in the conversation for a top five point guard in the Eastern conference yet. Uh, I am excited to see what he does for the magic this year, what their plans are for him, whether or not he becomes trade fodder or if they actually decide to build around him because they drafted it was Anthony black. Um, mm-hmm. in the very similar mold to Markel Fultz. So I'm going to give 
Markel, the command shift X, and we will move on to your pick. Yeah, there's. I, I, I said it was getting interesting. There's still a few more obvious ones to get rid of here. You, you, you took out my guy, Tyus Jones. I'm going to take out your guy, Alex Caruso, here. Caruso, great. He ain't making top five, though. Yeah, and I is did the Bulls is he still on the Bulls? That's a, I didn't do any research on that. I, <laughs> I, I thought yeah, he's, he still, he's still on the Bulls. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. You so got me Caruso. double checking now, but um, but uh, yes, I'm 99% sure he's still on the Bulls. Yeah, he's on the Bulls. We're good. Okay. Let's get rid of Caruso. So now what's left? We have Trey Young, Derek White, LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland, Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brunson, and James Harden. So I'm gonna jump in here for a second. I think the the final definitive cut to me is Jaden Ivey. And if you take out Jaden Ivey, the list that I wrote down of people who I was going to have to kind of filter through, that's this is the list. I still had Cade. Cade was still someone. I, uh, listen, actually, we, we let's, let's talk about Cade real quick. Okay. I think we can cross Cade out because he's still coming back from injury. But on my own personal notes, I put in the fifth spot three guys that I wanted to talk through with you. And okay. then I put this will be Cade's spot. Like if if Cade comes back healthy and if he's playing the way that we're hearing it reported, like I think Cade will be that guy sooner rather than later. But I think for right now, it would be it would be really hard for us to make a really genuine case that that he's the fifth best point guard in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, but if if we're if this list is who do we think is going to be the top five? point guards and that's a different conversation yeah i mean you could st- i mean i still think that'd be really hard to make given that he's played one year and then got hurt basically his whole sophomore year it's still a hard case to make when there's a lot of talented guys here okay cade um next year you'll be on this list i think, I think so. maybe by christmas cade will be on yeah, this yeah, list. yeah there's a good chance of that good chance of that all right so uh, is it my turn to eliminate somebody yeah, so, so now I think, at least for me, we're, we're at the territory now where we're getting down to, I think we have about seven or eight guys left here. So mm-hmm. we're starting to get on the precipice of that top five. So let, let me okay, let me give you the three guys that I had listed as, as who I think we're going to fall into that five spot. And if there's someone else that you think needs to be crossed off before them or needs to join that conversation, let me know. But how, the three- how, about, how about we decide who cannot get crossed off who cannot get crossed off okay let's do it that way then so who cannot get crossed off for me i think there's and this is tough because a lot of these guys at eastern conference they all kind of live in the same tier right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot lot of guys that live in the same in the same neighborhood but i think for me the four guys that i'm not that i'm not crossing off are tyrese halliburton jalen brunson darius garland and drew holiday those are those are the the big four for me that I had on mine that were even if you want to put rearrange the order and that wasn't even necessarily a, a strict order that I just gave them in but if you wanted to rearrange the order maybe one of those guys ends up being fifth I think they have to be in the top five can you repeat those yeah Tyrese Halliburton Jalen Brunson Darius Garland Drew Holiday interesting so I'm gonna I agree on Drew Holiday. I'm not quite there on Darius Garland, though I love Darius Garland. You're willing to say that you'd rather have Darius Garland than James Harden? Yes. Really? Dude, I don't trust James Harden. I just don't I don't trust the, like him like the way that he's aging and mentally. Like I just I just don't trust him. I'd rather have Darius Garland. Like I don't and I think Darius Garland I mean get, make the case for for why you'd rather have James Harden at this at this at this point in time. Um, just like the playoffs this year, like like Darius Garland and Donovan notoriously bad in the playoffs. James Harden had two good games. He did have two good games in that Celtic series, but then had a bunch of choke games in that series as well. What did Darius Garland do? I'll give you that. So this is one. This is one point that I put down here is literally next to Darius Garland. My question with him was what went wrong in the playoffs? Yeah. in my estimation, because so we, the year before without Donovan Mitchell, they fell apart when Jared Allen got hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they made it to the play in game. And, you know, he did all he could in that play in game. He you know he scored 40 plus points, went as toe to toe as he could with KD and Kyrie before they ended up winning that game, becoming the seven seed playing the Celtics. From what I watched in that Cavs and Knicks series, which a lot of those games did line up with Celtics games. So I didn't watch all of them start to, you know, front to back. But. 
what I did see in that series, one of the biggest issues was Darius Garland didn't have the ball enough. And you look at a lot of his stats, his offensive output from his shooting points per game, all of those pretty much lined up with what he did in the regular season. His assistant turnovers were the biggest difference. He had a lower amount of assists and a higher amount of turnovers. But I think part of that was they almost... And this was what I didn't really understand. The Cavs were, were just a massive. We talked about this a little bit with Evan Mobley and how disappointing that really kind of like altered our feelings on him for player of the year belt. You know, with Darius Garland, like it felt like they almost made Donovan Mitchell the point guard instead of Darius Garland the point guard in the playoffs. And I think that's the wrong way to go. So I think it was an incorrect approach more than it is that there's something wrong with Darius Garland. Because I think there was a few moments in that in that Knicks series where I think it was either game three or game four where he ran off about 18 minutes straight of just domination, and then they just didn't give him the ball back. And I couldn't understand yeah. why they didn't stick with that. So I, I think Darius Garland was more misused than it was than it was an issue with him. I can't believe I'm making the case for James Harden. I can't either. Part. I thought I, you, be, I, you I, love Darius Garland. I thought I you love Darius totally Garland, and I cannot stand James Harden. But I think it's a year too soon to say that Darius Garland is definitively a better player than James Harden. I think maybe two years from now I'll be ready to make that call. But let me. Ask I, you this. I would still say James Harden's a better player in that I would probably twenty-eight out of thirty teams would rather have James Harden than Darius Garland. For one year, for this season. If you're Joel Embiid, who would you rather have for this year? James Harden or Darius Garland as your point guard? James Harden. I think that's wrong. (laughs) Okay, so we disagree on that. Um, Let's let's put a pin on Harden and Garland for now. Let's talk about Trey Young, Derek White, LaMelo Ball. Real quick, so, so Halliburton, Holiday, and Brunson, you agree, have to be in the top five, right? Have to be in the top five. I'm not saying those. We can argue the order, but those have to be in the. Okay, cool, cool. We got those three set aside. Okay. Um, Derek White. Okay. I think he's probably the easiest cut here between Trey Young and LaMelo Ball. If we're saying who do we want as our starting point guard, like to build around, I think he's, he's the easiest cut here. If you're like, who do we want a starting point guard that is a supporting piece for other guys? Derek White is probably the top of that list, right? They're they're just very different. Context types of matters. Context, Context matters. matters. And, and honestly, you can throw Trey Young in this conversation too with Lamelo Ball because I think from a talent perspective, Trey and Lamelo would be oh, who's the most talented? Like they both of them would probably have to be solidified top five guys, right? Mm-hmm. But I think both of you, both of us, feel like man, if I'm building a team around Trey or Lamelo. I don't really love that idea. Like, I'm not in love with that idea. And certainly with Derek White, you wouldn't be in love with that idea either. And then if you, and then if to your point, if you're saying, hey, which of these guys would you want to be your, you know, let's say your third or fourth best player on your team and play a role? Like, Derek White's like perfect for that, right? Mm -hmm. LaMelo, Trey, maybe they're good in that role. Maybe that's one level too low for them. Maybe they, they actually need to be your number. Like, neither, neither of us think they're a number one, but but I I certainly think they could be your, your number two. You know what I mean? So I, I'm with you. I think Derek White is more in a role player type, so he has to go for this conversation. Okay. Um, but obviously, we love Derek White in the show, so no yeah. shade at my ball, brethren. Okay, so what about Garland, Ball, and Young? Last year, right, one of my hot takes was that by the end of the season, everybody would realize that Darius Garland is a better player than Trey Young, right? I said that at the before last season. I still believe that's true, especially when you think about the context conversation and building a team. Like, I think Darius Garland can be a really big part of a team, or he could kind of fit a little bit more into the background and just kind of run Mm -hmm. the show and not have it be all about me. It's not all about Darius Garland. He's more of a traditional point guard setting everybody up and being okay with that role. But I do think he's more malleable going kind of either way, right? Yeah. So that's why I would probably have Garland over Young. I still feel like Garland's a better player. LaMelo Ball, it's just like a lot of empty calories with him, right? So my next cut, if we're talking Young, Ball, Garland, Harden, I would rather cut LaMelo Ball before we cut James Harden. Or get, the, get, get the scissors out. Okay. Cut him. What was it? Command? What, just so we make sure our audience is aware. Command, shift. X and this is on a Boom. Mac. Command right. Shift X on the Mac, baby. He's gone. So that leaves us with 
so we have three guys that we know are going to be in the top five. So we've got James Harden, Darius Garland, Trey Young. We got to cut one, and then we can start forming what the top five looks like. I know who my vote is. Do you know who your vote is to cut? <laughs> um. Oh man, this is tough for me, man. Yeah, I know who my vote is. All right, on three, one, two, three. Trey Young. Trey Young. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is what it is. Like, listen, I understand Trey is so talented. Like, he, I just, I can't. Him off the ball, and then him obviously defensively, just does so little for me that it, it just can't do it. Even though, even though I've seen him go off like he did in in that comeback in what was it, Game Five in the Garden, where he basically came back and turned into Ice Trey and. I get it, man, but I, I just can't get there with them. I can't get it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So we, our top five. So we ended up having James Harden in the top five. Yep. So it's really just about ranking now. So we have Garland, Halliburton, Holiday, Brunson, and Harden. All right. We got to rank them. I would say. Must be done. If I had to pick, I would go at number five, Drew Holiday. Okay. I think I can get down with that. So this is where on my personal list here, and I kind of had a loose ranking, but I didn't really feel committed to the ranking that I had there. So I wanted to kind of just talk it through drew holiday and James Harden is my kind of four or five okay. that I think that, that I'm looking at and I'm, I'm cool with going drew holiday at the five. I think obviously his defense is as long as he's healthy, his defense is going to be there and that's going to be, he's the best defender out of this group far away like it's not even close but we've seen it for even even in their championship run we've seen it for three straight postseasons where his ability on the offensive end the more you make him do the more he kind of becomes a little bit of a liability when it's all right drew like listen this isn't like you can't just sit there and take you know 10 shots we're gonna make you take 20 22 shots in this game and he, he struggles when he has to be able to be that guy which i think all of the other four guys if they were forced into that position would be able to do a lot better and despite how good his defense is i think it really hurts that bucks team when he can't be can super consistent with scoring the basketball and he's not the playmaker that any of these other guys are and so i think that's where it hurts him enough and he's a little bit older than these guys so well, he's about the same age as him and Harden are, are, are both older than the the other three that we're looking at here. But that's why I think they're at four and five for me. So Holiday at five, I think I'm cool with. And then that would, for me, put James Harden at four. But depends on how you feel. No, I'm cool with that, man. I think Drew Holiday, like a lot of us having him in the top five here is based off of his track record on the defensive end, as you said, he's like the best possible version of Marcus Smart, right? That that's yeah, what Drew we've said a lot is. over the last couple of years. Yeah, so I, I'm cool having him in the top five and at number five. If I have to make a concession between Garland and Harden at the in the three four spot, I'm I'm cool having Harden at four. I just thought we were going to leave Harden out of the top five initially, and I was like, that's insane. Um, no, so, no, no, no. Yeah, Harden at there. four is cool with me. Garland then that makes being, him three. Being three. So that leaves Alliburton versus Brunson. Who is the best point guard? Which right, the, right, wait. You just you just fucking giggled. Isn't it funny? Like we're like like it even sounds a, like it's it's very real, but it sounds a little ridiculous that we're saying who's the best point guard in the entire conference between Tyrese Hurt, uh, Halliburton and and Jalen Brunson. Right, just makes you realize like all the great point guards are out west. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like we're, we don't have SGA, we don't have Ja, we don't have Steph, we don't have Luca. You know, whether you want to Jokic or yet. Murray, Dame yet, yeah. So it, it it feels a little, and these guys are good, but it is it is levels to this when you look at Eastern Conference point guards versus Western Conference, and we have to cross off a lot of really good names to even get to you know where we are right now with these two. And so, all right, Brunson versus Halliburton. This is a tough one, right? Because I think part of me wants to go Jalen Brunson, and a lot of that is just 
intangibles it, it's kind of mm-hmm. subjective i'm just like he he just feels like that dude he just yeah. feels like you know that's a dude that you, you can look at the postseason you can look at his last two postseasons even when you take him back to playing with luca and you know you were talking about i forget who it was but it had like like a certain value like darius garland has a certain you know you know fluidity to his game where jalen brunson can take over jalen brunson can feed julius randall and spot up jalen brunson can kind of be a few different things and you know we've seen him do it in dallas off of luca we've seen him do it as the main guy in new york and so i think there's a part of me that wants to go jalen brunson number one because him and halliburton have similar shooting splits uh jalen brunson can get his shot can score the ball a little bit better halliburton's gonna be a better creator and i think maybe halliburton i might like a little bit more long term but i think Mm -hmm. right now i'd probably go brunson and and part of like a halliburton more is just that you know he's so long that even if he's not a great defender that length is going to be an asset whereas you know we just saw you know we saw brunson get beat off the dribble by peyton pritchard and taken to the cup like (laughs) like i love my guy pp but i'm just saying you know that's that's not exactly who you're probably going to be facing in the eastern conference finals or in the finals if you ever get there but i think for today you know we're recording this on august 6th i would go probably jalen brunson one tyrese halliburton two if you want to make a case the other way certainly willing to listen no i i think i would agree man jalen brunson is about to turn 27 at the end of the month so he's like entering the first years of his prime halliburton i believe is 23 yeah so he turned 23 in february so mm-hmm. he's he's still three three years away from his prime um so i think jalen brunson right now especially with just like his ability to dominate a game with like just his iq yeah like his, he's just so freaking smart and he's so good um running pick and roll and getting to his spots like you just can't stop that guy when I mean, we saw him live man that was so frustrating seeing the knicks versus celtics where we just couldn't stop jalen brunson like he got to every single spot he wanted to on the court I think Marcus was out that game, if I remember correctly. I can't remember. I'm not, I, I'm I think not I think he was out for that game. Um, but Brunson was was unbelievable. Well, that's our future. There's no Marcus Smart now, so you know you're looking at Malcolm Brogdon and, and Derek White. That's that's the responsibility when you go up against the Knicks, who beat the Celtics three to one in the regular season last year. You know that is the task at hand. Is is how do you stop? Jalen Brunson he's you know he's, yeah. he's thick not quick but he finds a way to get that shot off in the lane he finds a way to to make it happen so I think I'm good with this list with this with this top five here Greg so to recap we've got Jalen Brunson we've got Tyrese Halliburton Darius Garland James Harden and Drew Holiday those are your top five Eastern Conference point guards and that's all we got for you guys uh we're, we're gonna move the vibe check to the next pod right yeah, we'll move it along. We'll make sure we get Adam in the mix here for the, for the next one. So we've uh, we've gone about an hour on this one, or just Let's under go. here. So this summer, is a fun podcast, pods, man. Getting an hour out of a summer I pod, it. I Let's love it, it, man. These are fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this as well. As always, we appreciate y'all for joining us here. Make sure you are following along and subscribing to us on YouTube. We're doing a lot more content over there. We got Green with Envy quick hits that are coming at you um, throughout the week. We'll have some more of those updates. When any rumors drop, we'll hop on, do 10 to 15 minutes. Make sure we get y'all filled in with that. Uh, and then, of course, make sure you're following Spotify, pod, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you may listen. Make sure that you follow along. Shout us a review. Shout us a rating on there. Uh, we really appreciate it. I, it makes a world of difference for us to be able to create more content. So we appreciate y'all. Hope y'all have a great rest of the week or rest of the day when you're listening to this. Greg, any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Um, push the agenda of the player of the class belt. If you like the pod, I want to see you retweet. Um, I can send you the Google the Google Drive link so that you can make your own copy and fill out the spreadsheet however you want. If you have any suggestions for how to improve it, I'll listen. I'll listen. I, <laughs> I feel like I've given this a lot of thought though, so I, pro- I probably won't take your suggestions unless I feel like they truly, truly improve it. Um, but right now, I do feel like the player of the class belt has been a success. Will, my friend, thank you for letting me do that. Send your suggestions, but he rules with an iron fist. Be aware. (laughs) And with that, we are going to play you out with um, a new release that will be releasing on Friday, August 11th. So all the listeners of the pod, you're getting a sneak peek into a new Black Sheep Optimus release. This one is called Get This High, and it releases on August 11th. Um, So... Be on the lookout. Peace, everybody.
Let's go. Peace, y'all. Till I hit the floor Every time I get this high It's you I find It don't take much no more Until I'm at your door You cut me to my core, baby What can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away I close my eyes and I'm floating your river I call to see if you open, you know I hope you deliver Every time you're getting close, I still be sick with the shivers But there's nothing like that first time I still remember the first time I saw you You were looking so fine, chill like lo-fi Watch you go by it was all I could do to say hi I still remember the first time I saw you You were looking so fine Chill like no fine all I did all I could do to stay high Oh, oh Till I'm at your door